0: FOS today is powered by the Chevy Silverado. The Chevy Silverado has what it takes to do it all. Among its powerful selection of engines is the standard Turbomax, which offers 430 pound feet of torque and combines impressive power with uncompromising durability. Available features like the multiflex tailgate and the 13.4 inch touchscreen provide ultimate comfort and convenience. Options like the Z71 Off-Road Package and the ZR2 Bison Edition offer extreme capability in the most difficult terrain. Any truck can help you make a living. This one helps you build a life. Two rival football leagues could become one. Plus, later in the episode, we have Washington Mystic Star Elena Deladon. It's Wednesday, September 20th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports today. The XFL and USFL are reportedly closing in on a merger. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Hey Owen. So the two spring football leagues may become a single entity. What do we know so far?
1: Yeah, we have a report from Axios saying that the USFL and XFL are ready to have a merger of equals, getting close to combining operations. So this would be a really interesting uh, proposition from these two spring football leagues that had kind of been competing against each other but now joining forces. Neither have any kind of official affiliation with the NFL, but a lot of their players have kind of made it into training camps and a few onto NFL teams. So this seems like a logical next step instead of trying to have multiple spring football leagues when it's so hard for just one to succeed anyways right exactly and you said
0: merger of equals so it's not like the the big fish is not swallowing the smaller fish it's they're they're going to be you know like the afc and the nfc coming together essentially
1: we'll see what details emerge but that's what it sounds like from the report the financials kind of vary for each of the leagues the XFL was bought by a group involving The Rock and some other investors, and in their first season last year, they lost $60 million, but they say they expect to eventually be making $100 million in revenue. We'll see if that comes to fruition. And then, of course, the USFL is a little bit of a different proposition. They're owned by Fox Sports, and it's really just a TV product for Fox to have some airtime and they seem to have been enjoying it and thinking that it's successful. I think they said they're going to commit $150 million to the league over three years. So it's interesting USFL owned by Fox. So therefore it's broadcast by Fox as well as a partnership with NBC. And then the XFL is broadcast by ESPN. So it's a really interesting coming together of those networks there to really push out this, whatever this new spring football league will be.
0: Yeah, and on that media end, I guess this is probably another wait-and-see thing, but is it possible we'll have Fox, NBC, and ESPN all working together
1: here? It sounds like definitely Fox and ESPN. I'm not sure about NBC, if that contract will carry on or how long that is, but yes, it seems like there would be games for this new league on Fox, new game games from this new league on ESPN, ABC. So it's, it's a really interesting uh, proposition. Obviously, they're both partners in the NFL and lots of college football conferences. So it's not necessarily uh, the newest thing in the world. But whenever you have those two big media companies coming together, especially for a really a startup operation like these spring football leagues are, it's interesting to see. And, and I wonder, you know, how they're going to be working together to uh, move this forward. And yeah, you made the point that um, these leagues were competing over,
0: a, so far, a relatively small slice of the pie in the, in the sports world. So yeah, it makes some sense that they would join up. They're not the only leagues fighting over the same space that have either come together recently or are talking about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I call it the year of mergers. Obviously, this summer we had probably the most ho- high-profile merger in a while between the PGA Tour and Live Golf uh, via its parent company, the Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. We all know that very well. And and that, that merger is still to be completed, but we also have had a pickleball merger. We've had the UFC and WWE merge into one company. You look in tennis, the ATP and WTA, the men's and women's tennis tours, are thinking about merging their operations. So I think it's just clear that a lot of these leagues, competitions in the US and around the globe are finding that it's easier to work together rather than compete against one another or operate as separate entities and try to have some kind of affiliation together, but not really. Might as well just come together. If you're similar enough, work together.
0: Right. And this is just conjecture, but I feel like fans don't really care if to, to like have multiple leagues, you know, there can be different styles of play, different rules. Um, but, but we're not really used to that in American sports of, so, you know, like, well, are you a Major League Baseball fan or a Savannah Bananas fan? Or like, there isn't really, we have like one league per sport. And so um, the whole like monopoly concerns, competition concerns aren't really a thing here. And yeah, why compete when he could just work together and save a bunch of money?
1: Exactly. And it can be confusing say you're a general football fan and then you see a spring football league and then another one you're like what what's going on here if there's just one with the best players the best coaches all the broadcast efforts going in together that makes a lot more sense i would say the same for pickleball i don't think a lot of people even if they play pickleball could have told you much about major league pickleball and the ppa tour that merged together right but now that they're together maybe that boosts both of them together so like i said working together seems to be what these leaders leagues are doing, especially when they're not a league like the NFL that has a monopoly over its uh, prize possession.
0: Yeah, and it occurs to me that the one big exception in the U.S. is the one I can think of right now is MLS and the USL. MLS, I think, is considered kind of the the bigger one, the more official one. But the USL is fighting for, for the same status under U.S. soccer as MLS. And, you know, it has more teams and, and there's a real competition there. But for now, they're the exception.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's a, a whole nother podcast probably that we could get into um, American soccer and uh, especially at the professional level, level with uh, relegation or the MLS model. And yeah, clearly MLS is the big winner there right now. But I know the USL has uh, other ideas in their head, at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's one more thread I want to tug on here. I feel like I mean we've been hearing for years about... Um, um, private equity coming more and more into sports, and if you see sports as more of an investment, then and you have that more you know equity mindset, then it just makes more sense to kind of streamline things and you know cut staff in some cases, uh, as I think we saw with the U.S. UFC and WWE merger, um, and, and so it's less like you know we are this league and we do things this way, and we could never dream of competing or you know joining w- up with this other league uh, toward more like. Hey, you know, we're, we're all just trying to make money here. Let's. What's the most logical move?
1: Right. Exactly. And bringing leagues together can bring in more opportunity for private equity investment. Like you said, sometimes um, these investors don't want to pick one or the other. But if there is one specific league, whether it may be pickleball, whether it may be spring football or tennis, they're willing to dive into a product that feels a lot bigger. And if not, then, you know, they'll just go and invest in, um, you know, other companies or even, you know, maybe an NFL team now that uh, the NFL is considering letting private equity firms invest in their club for minority investments
0: right and when they do they'll be pretty much the last major american league to have done that because it's pretty much open for business across the board there david rumsey thanks so much for joining us thank you owen the nfl has filed a grievance against its players association accusing it of encouraging running backs to exaggerate injuries to gain leverage in contract negotiations Now, when I first saw that headline, I thought that doesn't make any sense. How would acting more injured than you actually are convince a team to give you more money? But fortunately, someone explained that very clearly. And unfortunately for the NFLPA, that person is NFLPA president, J.C. Treader. Speaking on Ross Tucker's podcast in July, he said this.
1: I think we've seen issues now. I don't think anybody would ever say they were fake injuries, but we've seen players who Um, Didn't want to be where they currently are, um, have injuries that made them uh, unable to practice and play, Um, but you're not able to get fined and you're not able to be punished for not reporting. I don't think I'm allowed to ever recommend that, um, but at least publicly. But I, I think each player needs to find a way to build up leverage to try to get a fair deal
0: That, at least publicly, line is key here. The NFL is saying that the NFLPA did suggest that running backs do exactly that on a Zoom call before the season. People do all kinds of shenanigans around contract negotiations, but this one might have violated the league CBA. And if an arbitrator agrees, that could have some consequences. Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes continue to upend the sports world. The Buffaloes game against Colorado State on Saturday was ESPN's fifth most watched college game ever, with an average of 9.3 million viewers, despite starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. It was also the most watched college game of the season and the most streamed college regular season game ever. On Tuesday, the Buffaloes announced that they had sold out every home game this season for the first time in their history. Also, as of Tuesday morning, the top two trending videos on YouTube were the highlights from that game and Sanders' interview with 60 Minutes. Before all this started, we talked on this show about how he might need three years to fully understand the Coach Prime effect in Colorado. Turns out he only needed three weeks. Also apologies to Blender's Eyewear founder, Chase Fisher, who we talked about yesterday. Uh, I called him Mike Fisher, which is not his name. So sorry, Chase. Um, and congratulations on the sales. Up next, I spoke to WNBA star Elena Donne about her journey as a player and the state of the WNBA right now as women's sports continues to surge in popularity. That conversation is coming up next. I am joined now by Elena Donne of the Washington Mystics. Welcome, Elena.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, great to have you. So you did a video for our My Other Passion series with Chevy about how important hiking has been to you. How how does that help you create some balance in your life as a professional athlete?
2: Yeah, um, it's been so big for me uh, to kind of just get away at times. I think being a professional athlete, sometimes it just feels like you're under the microscope and you know, between media fans, every time you're performing, you know, people are watching and judging and whatnot. So for me to get outside and be with nature, it kind of just reminds you how small we all are in this massive, incredible world. Um, And just kind of keeps things in perspective. So it's meditative to me, it feels good on my body. um, So I absolutely love it and need it.
0: Yeah, I mean, every time I get out into a forest, I kind of am reminded what actual quiet sounds like <laughs> and there's yes. there's like you know the quiet of you being in your home and not much going on and then there's the quiet of like you just actually being away from from the built environment and from cities you're and right. everything else yeah
2: it's so different and even like hearing you know the birds chirping or bugs making noises or the wind like all those things are just another reminder of how small we are in this incredible world and to remember that
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, which is a surprisingly calming feeling sometimes. It Um, is. Yeah. Um, So you've dealt with some injuries and health issues in recent years. Has that changed your approach to the game?
2: Uh, It has. (laughs) It, um, first of all, it just makes me realize how, you know, luckily, lucky we are to play the game. Um, And, you know, every time I'm out there, I'm so grateful that I have that opportunity to be out there. Um, and then for me, from a training aspect, it's kind of changed things as well. Instead of always, you know, redlining and doing like the most crazy workouts, it's more about mobility, um, strength from below. Um, and I do spend a lot more time, uh, getting myself activated before games and practices and whatnot too. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Is, is the goal of all that to kind of get to the point to where you're not thinking about that? In the game, even if it takes more work, yeah, to get get going um, for the game. Yeah, (laughs)
2: certainly. Certainly. It's like making sure that, you know, my lifts and everything I do, building up to the game, has me ready and prepared to go. So when it's game time, you know, you want to just be able to flow and kind of go off of instinct.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just from your numbers this year, it seems like it's working. (laughs) So
2: (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Um, and women's sports has seen a surge in popularity, you know, the last, I don't know, maybe five years or so. Have you felt that in your day-to-day life?
2: I have. Uh, I feel like I've gone from a time where people would be like, do you play volleyball or basketball? To now, uh, <laughs> just because of my height alone, that um, would stand out and people always ask that. But now it's like, Oh, you're on the Mystics. We love you guys. We love watching. Um, And I think a big change has been the visibility of our game, more TV games, so people are able to see us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Have you enjoyed that um, more visibility, more recognizability?
2: Yeah. It's so important for our game, so I certainly uh, enjoy it. And I'm grateful that, you know, we've come this far.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any steps you'd like the WNBA to take to keep that growth going?
2: For sure. Uh, I think continued visibility. But um, aside from that, I think our travel can be much different right now. We still travel commercially. So uh, chartering would be a much better uh, feel on our bodies, first of all. Uh, And then it makes for a better product on court when, you know, we're getting to cities in time and not having that travel stress. And then Aside from that, I would also say uh, expansion. So more teams. And I do feel that's coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly been some, some talk of that. I was actually just last night, I'm in the Bay Area and, um,
2: I was oh, talking yeah, to a friend who was saying, you
0: know, yeah. On the we're, list. Yes, yeah, you know, right. Yeah. No, people are excited here. Um and yeah, I mean, people have really taken to the Oakland roots, the soccer team here. Um I mean, yeah, obviously in, in Oakland we've got our, our issues with uh, other teams leaving. But um but yeah, no, people are, are ready, I think, for to for WNBA teams to to come to their cities and it's very it's an exciting time for the league.
2: It really is. And uh, yeah, it's a way to grow the fan base. And I yeah, I would love the Bay Area to be a team nice place to travel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, the league is it's not small, but it's small enough that there are a lot of big markets that still don't have a team. Um exactly. and uh and so yeah, there are there are a lot of good targets for for something like that.
2: For sure. Yeah, we got to keep our eyes out on what's to come.
0: And um uh just for for this season, uh, have you felt like like the have you gelled with the Mystics?
2: Yeah, uh for sure. It's been uh a crazy season for sure, but we recently just clinched playoffs. Uh, looks like we'll be in the seventh spot playing New York in the first round of playoffs, so uh, it's go time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you feel like you get into a different mode in the playoffs?
2: Yes, for sure. I mean, everything just, you lock in a little bit more. <laughs> Obviously, everything you've done in season prepares you for playoffs and you want to build to that moment, uh, but playoffs is certainly a little bit of a different feel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. And, um, uh, just a- anything you're other than the playoffs, anything you're especially excited about, uh, you know, for the balance of this year or just going forward,
2: uh, you know, postseason. I'm hopefully looking forward to a vacation somewhere. Not sure yet, but somewhere I can get out. Um, and like we said earlier, just be with nature.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, any, any spots on your list, uh, whether or not they <laughs> happen this time, uh,
2: I'm always a big fan of the Bahamas. Uh, okay. Trying to get somewhere warm.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Since it'll be it'll be fall, but uh, yeah, we'll see.
0: All right, Elena Deladon. Thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: That's it for today. Subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We're coming at you every weekday. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.